0: It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara.
1: Welcome to This Week in the Big East, now in week four of the 2023 season as we continue with our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara, and and while there isn't any change at the top of the league standings this week, the halfway point of the conference season is beginning to provide some intrigue. First place Xavier went out on the road and grabbed a big one this week, and that's always a plus when you can do that. But the Musketeers aren't yet able to separate from Marquette and Providence in the standings. And if you've forgotten about preseason favorite Creighton, don't. The Blue Jays may have their mojo back. Kev, At this moment, it's a big four at the top.
2: Yeah, Let's talk about Xavier a little bit, John. The the question with Xavier, if there was any doubters out there, was can they get it done on the road? They had not played another top-level Big East team on the road, and then they go into Gamble Pavilion in just a classic Big East back-and-forth game. Great victory. Now, they have yet to play Providence at all, so they have two against Providence. They have to go to Creighton. They have to go to Marquette. So there's certainly an awful lot of tests left for the Musketeers, but right now, clearly the, the league's top dog. Although, Providence may have something to say about that.
1: Well, you know, the real intrigue actually gets started this weekend. That big four begins to venture out onto the road. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The road is always a tough place to play, when they, especially when the contenders start facing each other. Now, we mentioned Xavier. They got one on Wednesday night at UConn. Musketeers will uh, play at Creighton on Saturday. Yes. Providence plays at Villanova and at Xavier next week. Marquette right now could be in as good a shape as anyone with home games coming up.
2: Yep, Marquette has already had a couple really difficult uh, road games. They lost at Providence. So they, they still have to go to Connecticut and Creighton, but they do have a nice stretch right now. They're at DePaul this weekend and then home games, Villanova, Butler. So opportunity to Marquette to maybe crash that top 10. Right now, they certainly look like a top 10 team to me, John.
1: All right. Let's hit the highlights in this week's Big East headlines. Wednesday night of the Big East this week saw Xavier pound on UConn early in Storrs, Connecticut, only to have the Huskies pound right back. Ultimately, X marked the night with an 82-79 win to make it 13 wins in the past 14 games for Xavier. Defending league champ Providence is keeping pace after finishing off a season sweep of Butler this week, but the Friars will soon be tested on the road. The key for Providence might come from the bench, which gave the team a huge boost this week as the road starts to take its toll. A big shout-out to Georgetown this week. The Hoyas finally snapped the league-record 29-game losing streak with a home win over DePaul. Some late free throws iced it. Primo Spears led Georgetown with 21 points in that win. As of midweek, five Big East teams ranked in the top 35 of the net. Eight teams are in the top 90. In the Kenpom metric, four ranked in the top 20, five in the top 31, nine in the top 100. Four Big East teams remain in the AP Top 25 of the USA Today coaches' polls this week, with Xavier, Marquette, UConn, and Providence grabbing the attention of the voters across the country. As the Big East is only behind the Big 12 in the number of Top 25 teams, Creighton is again receiving votes in both polls. Kevin, there's some status quo then amongst the leaders, as we've kind of alluded to. So when does this picture in your estimation begin to change, and how do you think it might change?
2: You know, John. T- two things. I, I want to go back to that Xavier Connecticut game because I think that says an awful lot about the league. Uh, Connecticut right now is top ten in-, in both the net and the Ken Palm, and yet they have a losing record in the Big East. So uh, that says a lot about a what Connecticut has played so far. They've played an awful lot of top end teams, and the fact that this is a good team. Uh, they they have just been through a very tough stretch of their schedule. I think they have a chance to reverse things in February. It also told us an awful lot about Xavier. Xavier, we've talked about on the show week after week, Uh, veteran mature team, Sean Miller doing an excellent job. And the the Ken Palm offensive numbers, I think are really, really interesting. Uh, Right now, the Big East has uh, four teams in the Ken Palm offense top 15. That says a lot. That That means... Uh, actually it's five of the top 23 as we speak including marquette number one they had the number one adjusted offense in the country these teams are more offensive than we've seen in the past big east teams over the years right have been more defensive oriented right Uh, these top teams are really skilled offensively so to answer your original question Maybe the ones who show that they can defend on a consistent basis because they're so talented offensively. I was
1: just going there. I think the defense still is going to be the, the determining factor and who ultimately wins this, you know, at the end. But with these high powered offenses, that's going to be the real intrigue and the real challenge for everyone down the stretch.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's where Connecticut, you know, again, anyone who's, who says, well, Connecticut get off to a bad start and we're going to no longer a top 10, top 15 type team. I'm not ready to go there just yet. I'm sure you're not either.
0: No,
1: not at all. Hey, thanks to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us this season. Thank you for catching us on SiriusXM. And if you listen on your favorite pod site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review if you can. For more on the podcast, always visit our podcast site. It's twitme.buzzsprout.com. And you can always listen to the show online at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode four this week, one of the true surprises, not just in the Big East, but maybe in the national picture as well, comes from Milwaukee. Marquette has seen big improvement from their entire roster, which equates to improvement for the team, of course. The architect of this build is Shaka Smart. He'll join us. We'll get the national perspective from the Athletics' Dana O'Neill, who has observed the Big East for a number of years and is now witnessing a changing of the guard in Philadelphia. And if you want a team guy, a glue guy, a good guy on your side, maybe look to Seton Hall, where Tyree Samuel is ready to do whatever it takes. He joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this
0: week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight.
1: Time runs out. That's it. Seton Hall wins it. What a tremendous victory for the Seton Hall Pirates. Down by 17 in the first half. Down by 14 at halftime. They didn't take their first lead until the final two minutes. Casey Nadefo with a tip-in with 1.6 seconds to go to put the Pirates in front. And they hang on to beat Connecticut 67-66. to 66. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. What's it really like to be an integral part of a team? You know, someone who can be dependent upon, someone with experience, maybe a little savvy that you can lean upon. Seton Hall's Pirates has one of those guys. You call him a glue guy, you call him a big guy, you call him a smart guy, you can call him a role player. Hey, as long as you're calling out his name, I'm sure he probably doesn't care. Tyrese Samuel is one of those guys in the Big East for the Seton Hall Pirates. He joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Tyrese, I know you've had the chance to experience quite a bit with your team in this year fourth year on the roster. What kind of a guy do you think you are? What kind of a guy do you think your teammates have?
3: Uh, I think they got a guy with experience, got to play with a lot of different A lot of great players, Uh, Miles Powell, Sanjay Mamos-Kazbili, Jared Roden. I think that got a guy with experience, kind of knows the ropes around the school, kind of just a guy that's been around and just understands what a college basketball coach wants. You know, I've been around, I've got, I'm grateful, I got two coaches, so I got to see two different perspectives from two different people, and I feel like I'm able to teach and and show the young guys the ropes and also even newcomers from uh, new places.
2: Hey, Tyrese, can you tell the fans about your background a little bit? I know that uh, you are Canadian, you played at Orangeville Prep, but you also won a Maryland State Championship down at Riverdale Baptist. Uh, why did you go to Maryland? Were your parents between both both uh, locations? Uh, fill us in.
3: Uh, no. So, I'm originally, I'm born in Montreal, Quebec. My mom was born in Barbados, and my dad's born in Antigua and Barbuda. Wow. Yeah. Um, I got the connection to Riverdale Baptist because uh, there's a player from Montreal named uh, Sheree Thomas. He went to uh, Kentucky and he played with, like, Ray John Rondo, and they, they sent me out there. They felt like it was a good opportunity for me, and it helped elevate my game going out there in uh, Maryland because it was a really good ba- basketball state at the time. It probably still is, but uh, it was a good opportunity for me and most definitely elevated my game. Uh, I got the exposure that I, I wanted. Uh, it was a great opportunity for me out there. I learned a lot. Got to play a little bit different basketball than Canadian basketball. And like, yeah, that's just kind of how I got out there in Maryland.
1: And now at Seton Hall, you were recruited by one coach. You currently play for another. And I've always wondered what the player's perspective is when you're brought in by somebody else. And then you have another coach come in to kind of take over the program. And for those that stick around, why you stick around? I mean, because now there's the ability to transfer and move on to another program. So how did you know when Coach Willard came in and he left? How did that affect you? And what's it like playing under two different coaches, two different systems?
3: Uh, at first, like when it first happened, it was kind of like uh, I'm not sure. I think I was like I didn't want to just leave, not knowing what Coach Shaw was going to bring. You know, I feel like I I wanted to speak to him and understand like what he what his opportunities were for me and also as a team and as a as a player. As an alum here, I knew he had a lot and great things to give. Even Coach Willie recommended that I right. should because he he's a great coach and obviously worked for him. Uh, coach Shaw worked for him in the past, so yeah, it's like, I think you'll like him and he'll help develop your game a lot. So I took his word on it. I waited and I spoke to Coach Shaw and I love everything he was saying. So I just kind of said like, yeah, I think I'm gonna dug it out for this last last year. And also, I love seeing all like some. I grew up, I came in here, I was really young, and now it's my last year already. And it's just a place I love to be. So I just like decided to stay here. Cool.
2: So John, uh, clearly Tyrese has been around the block, uh, a lot of different perspectives in basketball. So Tyrese, uh, n- uh, no one's listening, uh, especially your two former head coaches. <laughs> so w- what's the difference maybe in practice between a uh, Kevin Willard who, who can, who can be excitable? Certainly we've seen that over the years and Shaheen who is seemingly always excitable
3: <laughs> um coach willard is a really calm guy i guess it's because he's been here for so long so i feel like he just knows what, like how it is and like he he it seems like he doesn't even show like kind of like any emotion but he just knows how to like get it done like but coach johnson complete obviously where he shows he knows how to get it done but he shows a huge amount of emotion very intense very like in your face but like I feel like I, I kind of needed that sometimes because like, some, Coach Willard was so laid back and he understood what was really going on. And Coach Shaw was just like, everyone give it their all. Like, I feel like as a player, I think I needed that. So that's why Coach Shaw was a good fit for me too as well.
1: Gotcha. Tyree Samuel, senior forward for the Seton Hall Pirates joining us here this week in the Big East. All right, let, let's get to this team this year because I know it probably didn't start out the way that you wanted it to. You probably expected more of yourself, but now that it seems like you're getting used, a little bit more used to Coach Shaw, as you, like, you guys like to call him, how has it gone lately? Can this team get to where you hoped it could go?
3: Oh yeah, most definitely. I think lately we've started to click a lot more. I feel like we're gelling really well right now. and I feel like we're about to make a really good runner right now this last stretch of the Big East. We've been practicing well. You know, we've been talking a lot, trying to find things that we need to do better in the games to win us these games, you know, because obviously the goal is to make it to March Madness and do a deep run, just like how Coach Shaw did with St. Peter's, you know, so and I know he's capable of doing that because he's coached the team and they did it. So I just think that we're able to do the same thing because we have a lot of talent. We're a very deep team and it's like kind of like anybody's night any night so it's just kind of just go out there and play our hardest and guys, learn for this team
2: yeah uh, Tyrese I-, I see your team when you guys really crank it up on defense that's when you're at your best o- offensively can be hit or miss sometimes but defensively uh, be- best example is that second half against UConn s- certainly a great uh, victory to build on uh, how do you see your team's defense kind of building throughout the rest of this season
3: I feel like it's just going to get better, you know, because I think that, like, we're a very defensive-minded team. Like, everything is, like, we know that our defense is going to help us score on offense. You know, we there's times we play teams and they don't score for seven minutes. Like, it's just something we preach in practice, just kind of get after it on defense. Like, But we know, like, teams are going to score, but try not to get discouraged, but make sure when we come back down and get another stop when everything, when they score or whatever, get next time down, get a stop. So I just think that, like, if our offense would just kind of fix up our offense, be a little more sharper on our offense, I feel like it would be a very hard team to beat down the line.
1: Well, I would ask you, uh, Tyrese, uh, an obvious question, like, you know, who's your favorite guy to play with? But my guess would be your answer would be whoever gets me the ball is probably <laughs> my favorite guy to play with. Is
3: Am I accurate on that one? Uh, yeah, I love, uh, to be honest, I really love playing with everyone, especially, like, I like play I love playing with Kadari, you know, he's a great point guard. I love watch his watch him play. He's a great scorer, great creator for our team. Yeah. So like playing with Jameer Harris, also returner as well. Great, great shooter, great teammate, everything. And also Casey Nadeffo. Like I just love I feel like he makes the game easier for uh, everyone on the court with his his second efforts and things like that. So I love playing with Casey and also Femi, great on ball defender. And like, you know, just I feel like our team is just full of guys with a lot of tenacity, you know, and grit and art. So I just, I just like pretty much play, like playing with everyone. You know, everyone's it's a good time. You know, we all bond very well. And I just, I don't know, I love playing with everyone. Tyrese,
2: I'm curious. We asked our guests this on a regular basis. Number one, uh, your favorite place to play outside of your home arena in the Big East, and then maybe maybe two guys who you've come across in your college career that maybe the two best players, non-teammates
3: uh, that you faced. Uh, I think my favorite place to play other than the Pru is UConn. UConn, but on campus. I think mm-hmm. they have a great atmosphere over there. It's like, every time I've played there, it's been in, insane. Like, I think they got probably one of the best home crowd arenas. And uh, and best two players I've played since I've oh, uh, for sure, I'm going to say Marcus Howard and maybe Najee Marshall my freshman year. Like, those guys, like, see why they're in the NBA. Like, you could just see, like, the way they are move and the things they're capable of doing, and just how they made their team better—it's just
1: those are two pretty good ones, very good ones. One, one final one here for for me, Tyrese, along those same lines. Other than yourself, who's the next pro at Seton Hall?
3: I think Tay Davis. He's he's obviously still young. He's still learning, but I feel like when every when every, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be a big problem in this biggies. He's athletic, plays hard, great defender. And you know, and he works hard. You know, his game's is going to continue to grow. So I think Tay Davis, and also I, and Jaquan Sanders. You know, he's a great shooter. I feel like he's going to be a lethal shooter in this in this conference when it's all said and done as well. So and those two have to work very hard. Those two freshmen work very hard. So I think those are probably going to be the two next up from Seton Hall.
1: Seton Hall senior forward Tyree Samuel. is Pirates facing a two-game roadie coming up, playing at Butler and again at St. John's next week who's hot the big east player of the week the weekly honor roll and a blast from the past are all
0: next this week in the big east coming up who's hot this week in the big east who's hot here's jones right by croswell
2: exploding past the big man and it's gotten quiet here in milwaukee jones trying to bring him to life and he does tough shot maker
4: Corner, and it taken away by Jones. What a huge turnover. Jones, and end for two. Cam Jones
0: has really been a spark here in the second half. Looking for more. He's got it.
1: Welcome back to this week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara, the player of the week, Cam Jones, sophomore guard, Marquette Golden Eagles. He was the leading scorer for Marquette with 22 points and a win at Seton Hall and got 20 more in a home game and a home win against 22nd-ranked Providence. Cam Jones is quietly becoming a real
2: superstar in this league, Kevin. He sure is, John. You know, we saw him last year as a freshman. and He could make a few three-point shots. He said, oh, he's going to be a pretty good shooter. Well, there's a difference between a shooter and a scorer. And I think Cam Jones is is certainly adjusting into a more, uh, you know, he's better off the bounce. He takes the ball stronger to the rim. But yet again, do not leave him alone on three-point line. It certainly will make you pay.
1: No, that's, that's instant disaster for the opposing team. Got to make sure you know where he is all over the floor at any time. Freshman of the week is Alex Caraban from UConn. Had 12 points and four rebounds per game in a one in one week uh, for the Huskies. Caraban's one of those guys that is a name. He's just seems like he's reliable. He's, he seems like he's been around longer than he really has.
2: You know, John, it's, it's midway point through the Big East season. So I guess I can ask you this with some ammunition. Is Alex Caraban the rookie of the year in the Big East? You know, uh, Cam Whitmore was the slam dunk preseason pick. It, he's been good. Uh, I think Carabam maybe has been more consistent.
1: He has, he has been more consistent. And a lot of that is obviously because Whitmore, you know, has been hurt somewhat, but Caravan has come and answered the bell every night. So I think he has to get consideration here. Absolutely. All right. On the honor roll this week, Emoja Gibson from DePaul, 19 points and five assists in a one and one week for the Blue Demons. Bryce Hopkins. There's a name we've called out before. We've had him on the show as well. He had double-doubles at Marquette and in a win against DePaul, both. So he averaged almost 20 points and over 10 rebounds per game. Kadari Richmond, Seton Hall, 14 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. Uh, our guy Tyrese Samuel mentioned him a little bit earlier. Brandon Slater from Villanova. And then Zach Fremantle from Xavier. Here's another guy that has picked up his game considerably over where he was this time a year ago. Well,
2: a couple of guys there you mentioned, really important Big East players. Number one, uh, uh, Fremantle. You know, Fremantle is... A four-year, regular, tough guy, glue guy, grit guy for Xavier. And, you know, they go into UConn and win. And he he had a good game. You know, nine points and five rebounds. It just shows how deep and talented Xavier uh, is with him only getting nine points. And they score 82. And the other side is I did want to mention uh, Emoja Gibson. There'll be some... You know national headlines that DePaul, you know, lost to Georgetown and Georgetown snapped it, its streak. Uh, DePaul is better, John. We saw them against Providence. Uh, Villanova knows all about them with their with their win out in Chicago against the Wildcats. Uh, DePaul's playing better and is going to be a problem every game. And Gibson is the head of the snake there.
1: Yeah, can't sleep on the Blue Demons without a doubt. Let's jump into the Wayback Machine again this week and dial it back 34 years ago this weekend, January 28th, 1989, when an old friend and one of the more recognizable names in Big East history was dealing out his calling card. Still
0: plenty of time left at about 2.15, but Douglas driving in the alley Oh my goodness.
3: And Sherman Douglas saved the prettiest play of the day until now. Well he knows right away to find Derek Coleman. All he does is throw the ball up there. Derek Coleman with his big hands, long arms, gets it. And I think he liked it.
0: Douglas, 12 points, 12 assists. Oh, for Douglas. Oh. And another lob. <laughs> coming
3: getting to the point where you can see these coming. Well, definitely that, that's the case. But the ball gets thrown out to Sherman Douglas. He throws it up. Stevie Thompson, go right after him, get it.
1: The general, Sherman Douglas, magnificent as a point guard throughout his time at Syracuse. But on this particular day, he was dishing dimes all over the place to the tune of a Big East single game record 22 assists against Providence in a 196 win for the Orange. Now, Kev, is a Syracuse guy, I know you know what the general meant to his teammates
2: and to the fans during his time in upstate New York. Oh, John, a ton of Sherman Douglas uh, memories and stories in my head. But uh, maybe you go back to his freshman year. He's somewhat under-recruited out of Washington, D.C. Dave Bing, the all-time great Syracuse player, went to the same high school and helped uh, turn Jim Bayheim and his staff onto Sherman, literally averaged five points a game. As a freshman, now he did sit behind a pretty good player named Pearl Washington, uh, but he went from five points a game to 17 as a sophomore, never stopped. And you mentioned his assists. John, of those 22 dimes, how many do you think were alley-oop passes? No one threw that (laughs) alley-oop better than Sherman Douglas.
1: Probably most of
2: them, right? He did have Derek Coleman and Stevie Thompson to to fly above the rim and throw them down.
1: Right. I do remember that day, by the way, back in 1989. I know I shouldn't, but I probably do. All right. The top setup guys of the Big East at present, six guards averaging five assists or better per game, led by Marquette's Tyler Kolick at 7.8 per game. His nearest competitors in that category, Georgetown's Primo Spears, Creighton's Ryan Nemhart, Xavier's Colby Jones and Sully Boom. And as we mentioned earlier, DePaul's Umoja Gibson. But it's Kolick at the top of that list as the chief distributor of dimes and his head cashier, or should that be head coach, Shaka Smart is next here this week in the Big East. Coming up
0: next, the Big East focus, Big East focus. Jones baseline drive for two. I, need a timeout. I mean, that was way easy. Cam Jones has really been a spark here in the second half, looking for more. He's got it!
1: Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. One of the real surprises of the college basketball season has been brewing, pardon the pun, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Marquette Golden Eagles were preseason picked for ninth in the Big East, made by the coaches, no less with a couple of starters back from a 19-win team a year ago. But they did need to replace three of their top four scorers, and boy, have they done that thus far, with perhaps some breakout performances. Head coach Shaka Smart joins us this week in the Big East. Coach, how has this team this year been a surprise to you, or has it even been a surprise at all?
4: No, I think it's been less of a surprise within our building than maybe for people that didn't know us as well. We felt like we had a good core group coming back. Um, you know, we, we didn't really think we needed to add a ton of transfers. Um, you know, for us, we liked the incoming freshmen that we had. And like I said, the guys that we had coming back from last year, we felt like they could really grow. And to a man, they've all taken significant steps.
2: Uh, Shaki, you just mentioned no need to add a transfer. Um, th- th- that goes away from college basketball, the huge trend in college basketball today. Uh, if you look at your roster, the majority of your team is, is talented sophomores. You know, uh, Tyler Kolek's a you know, redshirt sophomore or really a junior, but that sophomore class, was it the strength and what you expected in that big freshman to sophomore jump more than anything else that kept you away from the
4: transfers? Yeah, you know, there's... Uh... Covid extra years kind of messed up all the classifications. So we we have three guys in their third year, Tyler Kolick being one of them. Typically would be juniors, but actually have two more years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Omax Prosper and Oso Iguodaro are the other two. Those guys have been terrific. They've they've been good leaders for us from the standpoint of just having a couple of years of college basketball experience under their belt. And then as you mentioned, we've got a good sophomore class, and then we have three freshmen that have really come in and and given us a big lift as well. We just emphasize to those guys starting this summer, hey, let's try to grow as much or more compared to any team in the country between now and the end of the season. And then let's see how good a basketball we can be playing in late February and during the month of March.
1: Sure. So it sounds like you kind of challenged you guys. And one of the guys that certainly has impressed, uh, in all honesty, coach here is, is Tyler Kolick. He had a year under his belt playing another school, but then you brought him in here and he was a fish taking the water. He runs your team. He controls your team. He literally is the head of the snake. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what your conversations have been like with him and what you envisioned from his role. And has he fulfilled those?
4: Well, first of all, he's got an unbelievable basketball IQ and a phenomenal work ethic. He's as much of a worker as anyone I've ever coached. So that's a heck of a foundation to start off with. And then, you know, I think the area where he's really, really grown compared to last year is his leadership and his relationships with his teammates. Uh, Those guys, you know, feel much more connected to him having, uh, you know, a year last year under his belt. Uh, around these guys and he's just much much more confident as a leader I think between him and Oso Igadaro, those two have have been phenomenal leaders all year.
2: Uh, Shaka I I saw the article on your offense in the the Athletic a couple weeks ago and it's interesting when your name comes up with a lot of fans around the country they said oh he's the VCU guy Havoc Uh, good job trademarking Havoc by the way uh, several (laughs) years ago but that's a long time ago. You've had so many different good teams and good players since then that all coaches evolve and you've clearly evolved. Uh, you still play some good pressure defense, but this offense, if it's not the number one rated offense, Ken Palm in the country today, it's it's pretty close. Uh, can you just bring us inside that focus into becoming a better offensive team?
4: Well, I mean, it's mostly about personnel, honestly. I mean, if you have, a group of uh, phenomenal individual defensive players or guys with great instincts or great pride on that end of the floor, you you have a chance to have an elite defensive team. And then the same is true for offense. We have, in my opinion, two of the best passers at their position in the country in Tyler Kolick and Oso Iguodaro. And those guys have the ball in their hands a great deal of the time. And so they've created a dynamic that on the offensive end, if guys are open, they're going to find them and their teammates follow suit. Um, and I think our guys have done a good job of really going after getting the right shots for us.
1: Chaka Smart, Marquette Head Coach, joining us here this week in the Big East. We, we've gotten about five minutes into this conversation, Coach, and we haven't even mentioned uh, the uh, player of the week in the Big East Conference, which ought to give fans, I would guess, who don't know you very well, pretty good idea of the kind of talent, the kind of depth you have. But w- where is Cam Jones's improvement Come because we've known from the time he stepped on your campus, he was a shooter, but he certainly seems to be much more than that. He looks like he's one of those guys that really knows how to get himself open.
4: Well, I think his biggest improvement actually has been his confidence and his maturity. You know, when guys come in as freshmen, uh, they really don't know what to expect. The freshman year is a roller coaster ride. He had some awesome moments for us last year. He also had some games where, you know, he played like a freshman and he was a little behind. Uh, but I thought he got better and better over the course of his freshman year, and I was really excited about the jump he could make coming into this year. Like Tyler Kolick and Oswey Gadaro, his work ethic has been phenomenal, and his confidence has grown. I was just watching a a video uh, from one of our games early in the year because uh, I was looking back at what we did against somebody's zone defense, and just the way that Cam carries himself now in late January compared to in November is different. And so I think he he's got an added swagger, an added confidence, but also a maturity of I know what it takes to go create success for my team.
2: Shaka, can you speak to the competition in the Big East and how the upper half of the league has separated a little bit and it seems as if you guys when you play each other, it's really interesting to see when, you know, a Providence plays uh, Marquette when, when Connecticut plays Xavier, you can really see these teams getting getting sharpened and, and sharpened uh, for March. And I know it's a long way away from March, but uh, and you take one game you know at a time one week at a time. but uh, this these groups of teams, do you see them all getting better?
4: I do, but you know sometimes teams get better and still lose. you know I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is relative to the schedule that you're playing. In that stretch of 10 days or, or or whatever it may be, you know, the interesting thing is, you, you know, you've got five teams in our league that are, um, as you mentioned, maybe separated themselves a little bit near the top. But at the same time, any of those other teams can beat you mm-hmm. if you're not at your best. And so that's the going to be the challenging thing, particularly as we go into the second half of league play. Because as you know, the further you get, you get into to February and deep into February and early March. Man, winning on the road is, is is really really hard. I don't care where you go.
2: We've seen that with DePaul and how DePaul has has spiked right. uh, recently.
4: We, we got uh, them I, Saturday, so uh, that's that's, I, I, that's the one we're focusing on.
2: I, I bring them up for a reason. Uh, you know, I know they lost to Georgetown this week, but ask Providence, uh, ask Villanova. They're playing better, that's for sure.
4: They are, and, and they really, really are tough at home. Uh, they, they play with a, just a, a better pace at home and, and a better confidence about them, which is common of a lot of teams. But I, I think the easy thing this time of year is to start getting caught up in what everyone else is doing and how everyone else is playing. But again, our number one goal for our team is to grow as much as anyone in the country, and to be playing our best when it matters most. And so that's what we've been focusing on this week. We don't have a a midweek game, and that's what we'll continue to focus on moving forward. Marquette head
1: coach Shaka Smart. The Golden Eagles will try to build on their 8-2 first half record in the Big East at DePaul, as Coach mentioned this weekend, and then back home again against Villanova next week. The Big East national perspective is taking shape now that we're into the second half of the conference season. Surprises, reputations, sizing up potential dance partners for March. Longtime college hoop reporter and author Dana O'Neill provides her perspective next. This week in the Big
0: East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. And John's has numbers off off the miss. They can push it. And they are. It's
1: on the day. Wusso lays it up and in as he goes basically coast to coast, changes speeds on the drive, and St. John's goes at 46-42. St. John's playing with tempo right now, Mick. They're pushing the ball off of misses. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. It might be that one of the surprises this season has come from Philadelphia, where perennial contender Villanova has experienced some growing pains moving on from a Hall of Fame head coach. Veteran writer and Big East author Dana O'Neill has covered a big slice of Philly for a long time, presently covering college basketball, of course, and other items for The Athletic. She joins us this week in the Big East. Dana, I'd kind of like to know what your thoughts are on how the transition from Jay Wright to Kyle Neptune at NOVA is really going. How is it really going, in your opinion?
5: Obviously, by the results, it's not going as well as anybody would like it to go, um, but I think you have to step back from some of that and understand the whys. It's very easy to sit back and judge and like, it should just be a piece of cake. It's not. I mean, they lost a Hall of Fame coach um, who kind of knew what he was doing. Uh, Justin Moore is not playing this season after tearing his Achilles. Chris Argidiacino is playing more minutes than even Chris Argidiacino ever expected to play it. You know, Cam Whitmore, their stud freshman um, was injured and it's still He's 18. He's playing like an 18 year old up and down. So there's a lot of explanations um, for why this hasn't gone so smoothly. I think the one thing that intrigues me watching Villanova is some of the standard things that they were always really good at. They're just not doing like, you know, shot fakes like Villanova was the shot fake king in college basketball. They're doing less of that. I'm not sure why what's going on there. They're just a little bit not connected, which very often, you know, under Jay Wright, that was their bread and butter. Like as, as talented as they were or were not, they were always on the same page. And it just doesn't feel like that's there. I think sometimes transition is hard. I think we assume that, you know, these things are cogs and you just keep rolling. Kyle Neptune is not Jay Wright. And, and it takes some massaging to get used to a new voice. So I think that's the issue right now. I know that's mm-hmm. not really what anybody wants to hear, but I think that's what we're going through.
2: Yeah, uh, Justin Moore would help a little bit too, Dana, I think. (laughs) And, And good luck to Villanova, their next three at home against Providence and then trips to Marquette and Creighton.
5: Not to mention the fact on Sunday they got to play the same day the Eagles are in the NFC Championship at the at the Wells Fargo Center, so that might be their hardest challenge all season.
2: Well, Mr. Rook can worry about that when the team bus (laughs) takes him up to the back door. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) I'm going to dodge the eggs.
2: Yeah, Yeah. hey Dana, who do I know? This is an unfair question, but uh, who do you like in the Big East?
5: So you know, here's the thing. I I still. I'm curious to see a lot of things shake out right now. Obviously, I'm I'm really impressed with what Sean Miller has done at Xavier. And he, look, he he kind of got a great roster to work with, right? I mean, it's not been difficult in terms of like moving into what he had. I mean, they finished well in the preseason and or the NIT last year not preseason, the NIT. So it wasn't like he was taking over disaster. I've been very impressed with Xavier, but maybe this is sort of prisoner of the moment. I was just at the Seton Hall Marquette game and wow, was I blown away by Marquette. Um, their offense at times is just pretty, I mean, lack of a better word. They just re- run such great stuff. And I think their defense is starting to really understand what Shaka Smart wants and the way he wants them to play. They're disruptive. They're just, they're difficult. They're kind of in your face. They play really free. I think they just look really loose and relaxed. I think they're going to be a really dangerous team in the next month.
1: Dan O'Neill joining us from The Athletic uh, here this week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. So, you know, one of the things that uh, I like about, you know, talking with people who cover basketball from all over, not just in the East, of course, but is is the perspective angle where they compare to each other. You know, this week in the Associated Press poll, there were, I think, six Big 12 teams ranked, and the only other league that had more than three was the Big East with, with the, uh, the four that they have ranked in the top 25. Now, whether or not that really means anything or something, I mean, you know, who who knows. I think it's great cannon fodder for the fans. What do you feel like the big East stacks up this year? Is the league as strong as it has been recently or is it down a little bit?
5: You know, I I still think it's pretty strong. I mean, is it like, you know, do we know for sure, do we have obvious final four contenders? I think for a while there we thought we did with UConn, right? Maybe they yeah. can get back on track. Um, I still think you know Creighton has the ability to kind of get its act together again. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. In the Big East, not unlike there is in all of college basketball right now. Like, who can you count on? I think Creighton, you know, the obvious candidates, Xavier Creighton, Marquette, UConn, Providence, you know, they they are teams that should be dangerous in March. And if they get rolling downhill, they can make some noise, but I, I don't feel like any of them have separated into that upper echelon of the national scene yet. But then again, I also seen, think the upper echelon of the national scene is about three teams that you can count on. Every time you think you can count on somebody, they lose. So what I do think is interesting about the Big East and, and when you talk about them in the Big 12 I think it's really interesting that the the conferences that seem to have the most consistency, top to bottom, whatever you want to call it, are the ones that are not bloated by conference expansion. Now, I know Georgetown mm-hmm. is Georgetown. DePaul lost to Georgetown. I get that. But the, the conferences that top to bottom are pretty good in college basketball are the ones that kind of have kept it simple. And the mm-hmm. Big 12 has and the Big East has.
2: Dana, that, that's why we like to bring you on the show. You offer that national perspective, and yep. I, you're a 1,000% correct. Uh, the, the bloated conferences are obviously going to have some bad teams at the bottom when you have 14, 16 teams. If you're 10, like the Big 12, if you're 11, like the, like the Big East, uh, it cuts down on on the bottom, on the drag. And, and right now, the Big 12 is clearly the best top to bottom, but we argue about this in, in January and February It really doesn't matter. What matters is how many good teams you have playing in March. And I do think that the Big 12 is going to have a lot of good teams playing in March. Uh, Take the Big East out of this. Who do you like nationally? There has not been a big separation, but who do you like nationally?
5: If I were picking a national championship team right this second, you know, on January the 25th, I would pick Alabama, which is bananas, right? Um, Yeah. They have um, great athleticism across the board. They have a top three pick in Brandon Miller. They defend, which they you know, they used to be pretty lazy about defense. They defend way better than they used to. They've got shooters all over the place. They're beating SEC teams not just by a little bit. They're beating them by 20. You know, I love Purdue. I love watching Purdue play. I just get nervous about Purdue getting into March and you get in a team that can kind of get at Zach Eady a little bit more or double him or do whatever, how are they going to respond? Can they defend well enough? I love Houston, the way they defend, but can they score? I mean, they lose to Temple. I don't know. Um, I feel like I need to find somebody though in the big 12 to fall in love with because the league is so good, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, they're all beating each other up right now. So it's hard to see any separation. I I thought at the beginning of the season, I was mad at myself for not picking Baylor to be better than Baylor And then they lost and they looked a little bit messy. But watching them against Kansas the other night, you know, their guards are playing terrific, their bigs are big, they're good. Scott Drew knows what he's doing. So that's another team I think to keep an eye on. But if I were picking today, I would pick Alabama, which I never thought that would cross my lips in my lifetime.
1: Yeah, I got one more here. And along the lines of the bloat that we were talking about just yeah. a couple of seconds ago, because the Big 12 is obviously going through some changes and they're going to add three new schools to their mix very, very soon. And there's been a lot of rumor about, you know, other leagues, including the Big East, potentially looking westward. Hint, hint. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh, about potential expansion as well. How could that hurt or will it hurt either league if they decide to go that route? And the Big 12 has already done that.
5: Yeah, I think it, I don't think it's going to help. I mean, none of the teams that are coming to the Big 12 are coming for college basketball, right? I mean, Is there anybody that's coming in that makes you, like, really super excited? I mean, yeah, Cincinnati's had its moments. I get it. But other than that, like... Houston. Houston. Right. Okay, Houston. Fair. Forgot. Um, But bigger is not always better. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I look at the ACC, and the ACC is, like, disgusting. Like, it's not good. Uh, Top to Like, I I refuse to sit there and have anybody tell me that even, you know, let's get behind Clemson as being a really good basketball team. No, they're just in a really crummy league right now. Um, I don't, you know, so I don't know... I think I think the big east as long as they're sensible and choose schools that remain committed to college basketball and not schools that are going to be committed to college basketball or say they have been And that are already primed for the level of competition that the Big East offers. I think they'll be fine. Like you look at somebody like Loyola of Chicago, who everybody was hot to trot about. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not going so well in the A10. Do you do you want them in the Big East? I don't. I don't know about that. Sure, Gonzaga is out there. What a wonderful concept! It's three thousand. I have to go to Gonzaga in a week and a half, and I'm like, ugh, it's a really (laughs) long ride. It's just not convenient. And I don't know how practical that is. Like to make Gonzaga work, you have to find West Coast partners. So then do you lower your standards simply to add Gonzaga? And is that worth it? That's, I think, the question you have to ask yourself.
1: Thanks, Dana. The Athletics' Dana O'Neill, who also recently authored The Big East, Inside the Most Entertaining and Influential Conference in College Basketball History. You can buy that book on Amazon.com. Who's got next? The big games, the matchups. What lies ahead on the road to potential success? That's next. This
0: week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Sule boom ahead. It goes to Colby Jones on the left sideline. They double him and he dribbles it off his foot. Jackson attacks. Jackson hammers it down. Andre...
1: John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East on the schedule. Big one today, or on Saturday, anyway, if you're listening to us on Saturday. Xavier playing at Creighton. Great test for both sides. On Sunday, Providence Ventures out on the road to take on Villanova. Georgetown and St. John's, well, they're going to get a traditional game. Tuesday game, UConn plays at DePaul. And then Wednesday, we got some dynamite games on Wednesday. Creighton at Georgetown. Providence at Xavier, Villanova at Marquette, Seton Hall at St. John's.
2: Kevin, take your pick. Yeah, make sure to check Sean Miller, okay? I want to make sure he's still in one piece. Uh, At Connecticut, he gets it done there. Very stressful, big-time win for Xavier. And and then they go stay on the road at Creighton. Uh, There's not too many teams in the country, John, at Connecticut, at Creighton. Uh, We'll see what happens there. And then number three, they welcome Providence for the first time into the Sintas Center. So three really difficult games uh, for Xavier. That That's A. And uh, watch out for Villanova. Villanova going on the road at Marquette. It's time for Villanova to show that they can join the fray in the top half of the league. Great opportunity at Marquette.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Our thanks to Seton Hall's Tyrese Samuel, Marquette's Chaka Smart, And the Athletics' Dana O'Neill for joining us. Thanks to our flagship radio stations for the calls you hear throughout the show and to Learfield for the assistance with their use. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins. Thanks as well to our executive producers, John Paquette, Scott Hecht, and Kevin Ivany at the Big East. Thank you as well to all the coaches and the administrators at the 11 Big East member institutions for making themselves available to us and therefore to you. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33. Use the hashtag TWITBE. Twit me. If you've got questions for us, we'll answer them and we'll also be back same time next week for another edition of This Week in the Big East.
0: Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.